welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. Man, unto us, we're walking through Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and going through the names that were given by Isaiah the prophet to Jesus the Messiah. So it's been exciting. We've had a lot of fun. Quick moment and pause to give a shout out to Lauren last week. How many of you were here last week to hear Lauren and thought she just did an awesome job, right? So good. I, uh, I almost just wrote my resignation letter in the middle of service. Just turn it in. I was told that it would gladly be accepted, uh, which, yeah, get an amen. It's good. Man, she did such a great job. She did. And, uh, and on that note, have a great day. I'm just kidding. Uh, Man, she did a fantastic job as she walked through a wonderful counselor and and that we can know Jesus as our wonderful counselor, that we can be near him. He can, man, it's incredible. Just a great message. And uh, I was excited when we started this to talk about how Jesus, he had to be given right? He, he had to be born. He had to be given. He had to come as a human in, in, in his humanity. And, and, and then we walked through the wonderful council last week. And again, Lauren just knocked it out of the park. And then today we get to jump into the next portion of this of mighty God. Now, growing up, I was never the big kid, right? I was always a little smaller in frame. And fast forward, you can see that that's probably the truth, right? I never became the big guy around, right? So I was always kind of smaller frame, and on a good day now, I'm average at best, right? Depending on the shoes I wear and the number of layers I have on, right? So I've never been the big guy, right? And so fast forward, you know, as as a kid, I could get away with it because I had the personality to cover it up, so I didn't have to worry about being small because I had this big personality. And then I was was coordinated enough I could hold my own in athletics uh, because I had good hand-eye coordination, and I was fairly quick, right? So the size never became an issue or a problem unless my personality got me into trouble, right? And, and then there's those moments. And hopefully in those moments, I had enough friends that it would dissuade anybody from the idea of wanting to start something because they would have to mess with everybody else, right? And that was the hope, right? And, and most of the time, that's how it worked out. But then I became a youth pastor many, many years later, and, and again, never grew to be a big guy. It's not like I've gotten smaller since, you know, my days as a youth pastor, and we used to do this incredible thing where we would go once a month to a, a soup kitchen in Dallas, and we would take about 20 students, and we would go and we would feed the homeless. And it was a great event, and our students loved it. They enjoyed it. They would go and they would sit, and they would have conversations with these people, just incredible stories and the things that they had seen. And then we got to play games with them, like we would play Connect Four and card games and just hang out and talk. And then we got to pray with them, and we got to share Jesus with them. It was an awesome, awesome time. Now, one day we were going, and, and we had been several times at this point, and, and know the routine, know how things work. And we go and we pull up, and there's a gentleman waiting out by the parking lot, and he said, it's $5 a car today. And he was a homeless gentleman. And, and, and I, I kind of jokingly, knowing that, it, no, it's not, it's free parking, I was like, yeah, you got it, man, you, you bet, you know, just joke, thinking that we're both in on the joke, right? We go in and we do our thing, we're coming back out, and he meets me right outside and says, where's my money? And I was going, 
buddy, I thought we were both joking. I thought we both knew this. He then becomes very, very angry. Now, he's a bigger guy than me. He was about 6'2", and kind of a wiry build. And I could tell he had had more uh, fights than I had had and probably could handle himself better than I could. And he's becoming very irritated and very agitated, raising his voice, using all sorts of colorful language and stuff. And I've got students all around me. I've got, you know, 15-year-old girls that are becoming very uncomfortable at this time going, my youth pastor's about to get killed. This is not good, right? This is a terrible moment in my life. And I, I said this, and, and in the moment, I thought, okay, I don't have a chance if this guy goes after me. I don't know what he's got. I, you know, who knows what's going on? He's more desperate than I am in this situation, in this whole deal, right? So I said this to one student. I said, go get Marcos, and we'll come back to that. So go get Marcos, and then I told another leader, get everybody else to the cars, right? It was like this great calm in this moment. It was really cool, and I was like, yeah, look at me handling the situation. <laughs> and now... That's how I felt. Yeah, that's how I tried to look on the outside. On the inside, I'm going, this may not end well. And somewhere along the lines, and I don't know when, but Marcos shows up, and there became a little bit of a calm in the man's voice. And here's the thing. I told you he's about 6'2", wiry build. Marcos is about 6'7", 315 pounds. He is not a little guy. And he's not just a big guy, but he had the strength to back it up. So Marcos, as a freshman in high school, was being looked at by D1 colleges all over the nation to come play offensive line for them. And then not only that, he was setting weightlifting records for the high school as a freshman, many of which are still on the board today, especially at a minimum for a freshman. He holds the bench press record and the squat record. He's a big, strong guy. And I thought, he's inside. I need him behind me right now. That'll probably help calm the situation. You think of this, this guy didn't realize Marcos may be the kindest person on the planet, right? And now when he plays football, it's a different world. And you're like, man, this dude's, he's a bad dude. You don't want to mess with him. Get him off the field. And he's like, hey, Pastor Ryan, what's up, man? You know, just like real, like happy, go lucky, friendly guy. But I knew in that moment that he had my back. I knew he had my back. See, here's how it works in our world is that we have this God. And he's not just a God, but he is a mighty God. And we're going to face things and we're going to be up against things. And it's good to know that he has our back, that he is our mighty God. So there's some interesting things that, that we, we can pull from, from this, this portion of the text today. Uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's encouraging to know that we have a mighty God. When we look at the phrase mighty God in, in the Hebrew, it would be the phrase El Gabor, okay? El Gabor, which is not the most eloquent sounding phrase in the world, but the word El is, 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 would mean God. And then Gabor would be like our champion, our prevailer, or a mighty man, right? Like just this idea of like, he is God, the mighty man, right? And you're just like, oh, sounds so like official. I don't know, it just sounds legit. And you're like, El Gabor. I don't know. I feel like that's probably how they all said it. They couldn't just, they'd be like talking normal and be like, so I was praying the other day, I was talking to God, El Gabor, right? And that's just how it goes. And that's just how it would be said in the Hebrew. Um, maybe not, but it's something along those lines. But, but El would be used in the same sense as like the phrase El Shaddai, which would be God Almighty, right? So El being the, the, the main word that we're going to hinge on and talk about is the fact that he claims him to be God. That's one of the incredible things that we find is that, uh, you know, this, this phrase is found as early as Deuteronomy and all throughout scripture is, is the phrase of El Gabor, this mighty God. And as we see it and as we look at it, uh, we, we have what, what is going on is that Isaiah is, is essentially keying in on the fact that he is God. 
Now, this would be a profound statement in the sense that he is referring to a baby that is to come, right? He's not saying that he will become mighty God, but he will be mighty God. It is a difference to say he's not going to grow into this role, but as he comes, he is this name. This is the name given, mighty God, El Gabor. So he's saying that this small baby who is reliant on a mother for life and to be sustained, who is reliant on a mother and a father to learn to walk and talk, this small child, this small being is coming to us. He is, in fact, mighty God. Not that he's going to grow to become that, but he is stating this name being given. Now, this is a name that would be used, like I said, as early as Deuteronomy and found that that it is in reference to God and God alone and only given to God and not to a mere man or or, or a a mortal being of any kind, but simply a name that is stated for God, El Gabor, mighty God, used in the same sense as like El Shaddai, the word El meaning God. God. It's, and, and then when we fast forward a little bit, in, or, or actually back up just a little bit, in Isaiah chapter 7 and 14, he, he uses the name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. This is really cool when you look at it. It's the same language used, uh, fast forward and back to chapter 9, when he says Emmanuel, it is the same word for, for us and for God. And so unto us God is given. So, so he is reiterating this, this thought of, uh, of this is the God that is coming to us to be with us. So Emmanuel, God with us, goes hand in hand with what he's saying in, verse nine, in chapter 9 and verse 6 that, that unto us is given mighty God. So he's, he's pulling all of this together. So Isaiah is very consistent in his language. He's very consistent in the words that he's using, helping us to grasp and understand this entire idea that Jesus that is coming, the Messiah that is coming, is in fact God. And he is God with us. He is here with us. So all of this is building up, right, in, into the idea that we're, we're trying to, to jump into today. So he wasn't an ordinary baby. I think we all know that, and we've talked about it, and there's a wonderful song, A Baby Changes Everything, and we won't break into it at this time. You can flip onto any Christian or Christmas station at this time of year and hear it like three times a day, I'm sure, right? And that's just how it goes. But he wasn't an ordinary baby. He was coming as God, be a, 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 in the flesh, God on earth. So it's not an ordinary baby. The big idea today is this. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of mighty God. He is the embodiment of of mighty God. Not, not a, a thought of something to grow into or to later become, but he is in fact mighty God from the instant he steps onto the planet and even before that. So a few things we wanna look at today. First of all is this, he's the God of all creation. The God of all creation. And, and, and the big thought is on this part right here as we jump into this, let's key in on the fact that Jesus is God. Let's key in on that moment that, that, that Isaiah is saying that this baby, yes, he's mighty God, but he is in fact God. And so if he is God, he's the God of all creation. And here's, here's how we look at that, knowing that the word El is the Hebrew word for God. Typically we find the word El and sometimes it can mean him or he, and it's always in reference back to God, right? Okay, so we have El, E-L, right? and it's just a simple little word. And you can remember that one forever. And it's easy because we have Amy Grant writing us wonderful songs back in, in the day like El Shaddai right? And if you don't know that reference, I apologize, because um, it was a really big song in the 80s. All right, here we go. Just so you know, I, I was like a very small child, okay? So it's not like I was there. I mean, I was barely there. So 
Let's do this real fast. Let's look at Genesis 1.1, just to jump back. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think we all know that verse. It's one that I've taught my children. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so this, this is a statement and understanding the word God in that moment is Elohim. And so we, we can, and I'm, we'll walk through that in a moment, but understand that, that Jesus was there in the beginning. So if we've stated because of what Isaiah is saying about this baby coming, he is God, then that means he in fact was there in the beginning, Okay, so we see that Jesus was there in the beginning with creation and and, and the created things. And so John 1, it says this in verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word. Now the word is Jesus, okay? So he's referencing Jesus as the word in this passage. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Okay, so he's saying in the beginning Jesus was there. He was with God the Father, and at the same time he is God. Okay, so that, this speaks to the idea of the Trinity, right? This speaks back to the triune God. And so through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we see scripture is speaking to and, and relaying this idea and helping to, to solidify the idea that Jesus was in fact God from the beginning of all time and he is the creator. That he was there at the beginning of all creation. He was with the Father as they're speaking things into existence, as they're creating this earth that is void and without form, as the spirit hovers over its surface. We have Jesus and sometimes it's hard to grasp that, oh, Jesus was also there from the beginning. He, he was also there without no beginning and with no end. He is, in fact, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, right? He is God. I was having this conversation with my son this past week. And he was like, and he was like wait, Jesus was there too from the beginning? Yes, not just at the manger, not just at his birth, not just when all this happened, you know. He has, in fact, always been. He is God, the creator. Here's one of the cool things that I love about creation is that it reveals his love to us. The creation reveals the love to us. So I have these two children, and and I think it's been well documented in this room that Lauren and I have two boys. I think we've stayed that uh, quite a few times. But if you're new here, Lauren and I have two boys. And and, and so we we love them dearly. We absolutely love our children. They're a lot of fun, and they are all boy, and they have tons of energy, and they like to run and go and have a good time. It's great. We have fun in the house. We find Nerf bullets everywhere all the time. Uh, Lauren, the other night, true story, she got into bed and she goes, I don't know why I've endured this the last two nights. And I'm like, what? And she reaches down by her feet and pulls out a Nerf dart. And I'm like, seriously? She's like, it's just been in here. I don't, I don't. <laughs> of course. Because that's our world. That is what we live in. We love our boys. But, but I found this that, you know, if you, how many of you as a child or have a child and you say that I've had something built for me or I built something for my children, right? And, and I think we've all at some point, and now I, I say like I've built things for my kids and really it's more or less I've assembled things, right, for my children. And a few years ago, my, our oldest strat was wanting a trampoline. Now trampolines are a lot of fun. I had one as a kid and I made it out alive. So I thought, you know what? This is a good idea. Let's go for it. 
So we get him a trampoline for his birthday, and it's this great deal. And, and we spent way too long assembling this thing. And I think somewhere in the process, I started thinking, this is the dumbest gift idea I think we've ever had in our entire lives. This is frustrating me to no end, right? And I write one of those kind of moments. And we're putting this scene together and putting this scene together. And I think at one point, it is probably, and if I'm assuming correctly, in something like this, Strat walks out like, are y'all done yet? And he's like, you better know I love you, son. As I hook these springs on here, right? One of those kind of deals, right? And so we build in the strength, we spend forever on it, all so that by the end of the day, he could have 30 minutes on this thing before the sun goes down, right? It was one of those kind of moments. We get it done, and it's like, enjoy it, right? And, and we loved watching him jump on scene because we loved him. We created this. You know, we put this scene together. And then later that winter, a huge storm came through, and it blew it away like 300 yards down the road. But whatever, right? You can't jump on it when it's folded and collapsed in on itself. So we, get to buy him a, we got to buy him a new one and put it together again. It was great. And I was like, man, you know we really love you when we're willing to do this twice. Anyways, so, but we found that, that because we love him, we were willing to spend the time to build this. Here's the greatest thing about creation is that God created this place because of his love for us. He created this because of his love for us. He said, here, and through my creation, let me reveal my love to you. Let me reveal my love to you. It's incredible. So God created us in his image, first and foremost. There's no other being, no other animal on the planet that is created in the image of God. He says, I love humanity so much, I want them to even have my appearance. How many of you know as a parent, it's the coolest thing in the world when you have a child and you're like, this thing looks like me. <laughs> Poor guy, right? You know, it's one of those moments. But, but it's the coolest thing in the world to be like, wow, this guy, look, he looks like me. This is great. You know, that's a, fun, that's a fun moment. That's a cool experience. Or even looking at your parents and I'm like, I look like my dad. Like, whoa, this is crazy. I look just like my dad. You know, it's that whole deal. And, and as, as, a, as the father, as God creates us, he's like, I want them to look like me. So he creates us in his image. No other animal has that. No other, no other thing on the earth has the image of God. And then he goes a step further and he says, not only am I gonna make you to look like me, but I'm gonna set you in control over all things. I'm giving you authority over this world that I've created for you. And now we've not always done a great job with that, right? And, and yet still in his love for us, he says, it's yours. He reveals his love to us through his creation. He says, I'm gonna make you to look like me and then I'm gonna give you control over creation because of my love for you. It was a great moment for me to be able to finish that thing and watch my boys get on this trampoline and start jumping and they're smiling and they're glad. They're just full of glee, you know, just joy. And it's like, it was worth it. All the frustration and nicking your knuckles and pinching your fingers in the springs and all these different things. In the end, you go, man, it was worth it. And that's the way God feels about us with his creation. He's like, oh, look at him. It was worth it. It was worth it. He's the God over all creation. And the second thing is this. He's the God worthy of our praise and adoration. He's worthy of our praise and adoration. Simply put, he's worthy because he is God. He's worthy because he is God. And I told you, Genesis, the word used is, is Elohim and, and, and the root being El yet again. So he's God, the, he's like, the one true God is kind of what that translates into, meaning like he alone is God. But, but we see, again, that, that root and that L running throughout the thing. He's saying he is God. And simply put, because he is God, he is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. 
And, and there's some things that we can look at and say, okay, my intentions was not to do like an apologetics type message, but just, just, just bear with me for just a short moment as we, as we solidify that Jesus is in fact God. Here's, here's, there's a man that I like to read, and he's an old dead guy um, that we can refer to from now on as an ODG, right? ODG, he's an old dead guy. And his name is Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon, a lot of you probably have heard the name. He was like this phenomenal preacher. He was literally known as a preaching prodigy. Uh, when he was 23 years old, he was pastoring a church of about 10,000 people in London. And I look at myself and I say, what have you done with your life? <laughs> Just kidding. No, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Here's the cool thing. So, so Spurgeon is a very, very strong, a very opinionated person. Uh, he, he's someone that you can reflect on and look back to. You couldn't re-preach his messages because they would not fit in the context of today uh, whatsoever. But it's, it's really good. Uh, but he had this statement, and it was so good as I was studying this. He said, if Christ were not the Son of God, so if he were not God, his death, so far from being a satisfaction for our sin, was a death most richly and righteously deserved. Think about this for a minute. And you're going, whoa, that doesn't make any sense. This guy is off his rocker. That is crazy. Here's, the, here's what he's saying. If he truly isn't the son of God and he's claiming to be God under Jewish law, under the Old Testament law, the punishment for blasphemy, which was what he would have been preaching, is death. But we know that it wasn't blasphemy simply through the resurrection, right? We see that his, his resurrection came to life. Paul even said that, that if he did not resurrect, if he was not a resurrected God, then our faith would be in vain. But the reality is he is God. And because of that, he is worthy to be praised. Not even, not even because of anything that he's done, but simply because he is God. John Calvin said it this way. And indeed, if Christ had not been God... It would have been unlawful to glory in him, for it is written, cursed be he that trusteth in man. And he's quoting Jeremiah 17 in verse five in that moment. See, the reality is we get to praise and glorify God, the son of God embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. He is God. He's not just another man who came. He is in fact the real deal he is, in fact, God, and we get to praise him. I'll let you into a little secret of, of my life and, and one of the funny things that, that I don't divulge in a lot, but from time to time I do. I can, from time to time, become enamored with the British royal family. Uh, it's a true story. It intrigues me. Uh, their whole lineage and everything and how it traces back and all stuff. And it's like, wow, it's pretty incredible. And then, of course, I do silly things like, what is the net worth of the royal family? Like, all those kind of things, right? So, I mean, I'm sometimes enamored with these people because it's so foreign to us as Americans to be like, it's a royal family, right? You know, it's just a foreign concept altogether. We're like, I don't even get it. And so, uh, you know, we, we've done things where we've, we watched like royal weddings and stuff. Um, and, and one time, and it, it, was, it, was, it was William and Kate, I think it was, it was their wedding. Lauren and I decided, okay, we're going to make scones and we're going to drink tea because we're going to be so British today. This is, this is just crazy, right? It was one of those moments. And so we, so we get home, you know, we get ready. We like, we went the night before to the store and got everything we needed. And we were like, we're making legit scones. And so we did, we made these scones cut them all up, put them in, baked it. it was awesome, right? We felt so cool, made our tea, and we watched the royal wedding. 
probably something I shouldn't admit all the time, but in this setting, I feel safe, right? I feel safe. Um, and, and so we, we, I found out something that was incredible watching these people because they're lining up down the streets to watch the people come to the church. The wedding hasn't even happened. They're lining up 20 people deep down the sides of the streets and they're cheering and they're celebrating and they're praising these people for nothing other than the fact that they are royals. If the queen was just simply a lady in waiting, one, she'd be well past her prime. And two, I actually wrote that joke in there. I was kind of proud of that one. I, that's, that one's in my notes. Yeah, one, she'd be way past her prime. Yeah, two, nobody would care to see her, right? There would be no desire to get a glimpse at the queen because she wasn't the queen. It's simply because of their position, because of the, the royal nature of who they are, that people become excited and enamored with who they are simply because of the, the, the position they have, because of the seat they sit in. In the same way, God is worth being praised simply because of the seat that he sits on, simply because of the throne that he sits on, because of the world he rules over, not for anything that he's done, not for anything that he can do, but because he is God. He is is worthy to be praised. Jesus is God and he is worthy to be praised. If we're willing to get excited over seeing some British royal family that has nothing to do with our American citizenship whatsoever and our, our politics and, and whatever's happening here, and yet we get excited, we're like, oh, the prince is in America right now, right? Like these, I, I don't know that he is right now. If he is, that's, you know, that's purely just coincidence, right? And I didn't look that up, so just FYI. But we get excited about those things. And, and if we're willing to get excited about that, we should be willing to be excited over the fact that Jesus in himself is God. That he is our father. He is our king. That he is our ruler. He is our savior, yes. But overall, he is God. And therefore, he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. And I think one of the things that, that sums this up would be the fact of, of all of the commotion surrounding the birth of Jesus, right? If we look in Luke, Luke says this in chapter two, he says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. How many of you would say, yes, I would be too? Come on, yeah. Whoo. It would not be pretty. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And I imagine that there was some peace that came with that statement. Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This angel's coming and saying, listen, he is God. Get excited about that. He's the Messiah. He's the one you've been waiting for. Be excited. And then, then he says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And he says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God 
in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Think about this. An angel is coming to say, hey, you're, 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 you shepherds, people, y'all are known as like crooks and, and kind of these criminal minds and, 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 and people aren't wanting to associate with you, but I'm coming to you first to speak to you, to tell you there is a savior that has been born in the city of David. You're gonna find him lying in a manger and all of a sudden, it says a great host of the multitudes. We're talking millions of angels, right? The multitudes stopping what they were doing to give praise to God because he's not just a baby. He wasn't just a man. He is God and he is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. If all of heaven is willing to stop because of something going on with a baby, I think we can take time to praise Jesus. Amen? Amen. Man, God is good. God is so good and worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. The last thing is this. He's the God who reigns over all. He reigns over all. And this is where we'll begin to tie in the mighty aspect of it. But I don't know where your world is right now. I don't, I don't know what, what you've faced or what you've been up against. I don't know what your history is. I don't know all your, your past. Some of you I do. We've had conversations and I've gotten to know you. I, I don't know everything about your life. I don't know if you've had this perfect cookie cutter growing up experience with, with mom and dad and, and, and everybody was happy. Dad made great money and, and all was well. You were in church your whole life and, and your borderline saint status at this point. That may be you, maybe it isn't. Maybe you're on the opposite end of that spectrum. Maybe you grew up in a terrible home situation. Maybe you grew up in a world that, that, that wasn't pretty whatsoever. Maybe you grew up in the worst part of town with the ups and the downs and you go, man, I've had to struggle to get to this point in my life. Maybe in this moment right now, you're going, man, things are really going well. We are, are, are hitting a stride in our house our marriage is amazing. It's rock solid. My kids are, are just wonderful. They come to me and they say, Father, what can I get thou? <laughs> right? If your children speak that way, kudos to you. Mine do not. But maybe you're on the other end where you're going, man, it is a struggle right now. We're barely making ends meet. We're barely holding it together. Our marriage is a little rocky right now. Things are a little shaky. I've had some ups and I've had some downs. I've had some, some difficulties and we're trying. It was hard enough to get here this morning. And then you're looking and going, I don't know what the future holds for me. I don't know what it looks like beyond this moment. I don't know what it looks like going from here. And maybe you've got it all mapped out and you've got it planned out and, and, and you think, okay, if I follow these steps, if I keep doing these things, in the end, everything's gonna work out the way it should. And maybe it will. Maybe it will. I know this though. Over the good and the bad, the ups and the downs, your past and your future, God reigns. Jesus reigns over all. He reigns over all. That there's, there's not one moment or one thing where he's going to turn his back on you, where he's going to close his eyes and say, I don't know what's going to happen. You're on your own in this moment. No, 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 no. He doesn't stop reigning over all things. He reigns. He is God and he reigns. I know that as we approach Christmas, that sometimes Christmas is a difficult time for people. I know that sometimes Christmas does not bring up the best memories I know that going home for the holidays may be more of a struggle than a joyful occasion. 
you may go, man, I, I know I have to go, but I really don't want to be there. Or maybe this year for the first time, you're going to have an empty seat because of somebody you lost throughout this year. And it's going to be a reminder of that loss. And all the grieving that you've done will not be enough to help overcome the, the, the re, uh, reigniting of the pain that you're feeling because of the loss and being realized yet again through Christmas. I know that the holidays are not always an easy occasion for people. I know that the holidays are not always the, the, the most joyful time. I know that for a lot of people that it is simply just a reminder of past failures, of past loss, of past hurts. But Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. And I know sometimes that's not the most soothing or comforting thing to hear because you go, then why did my life look this way? And I say, I don't know. I, I don't have the answers for that. But I know this as you move forward and as you begin to place your trust and place your hope in it, Jesus reigns over all things. Jesus reigns over all things. I know this. He is still working everything together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's still working. He still reigns. We don't know the whole story yet. I don't know how it's going to end up. I don't know how it's going to play out. I, 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 I can't pull out some magic crystal ball and say, okay, Holy Spirit, speak to me right now and show me their future. It doesn't work that way. I don't have the ability to just go and say, okay, what is the end result? What are we going to have to prep for and prepare for mentally? What do we need to do financially? What, what, what are all the needs that are coming up? We don't have that. But we can trust in the fact that God reigns. We can trust in the fact that God is leading, that God is speaking, and that he still reigns over all things. In Psalms 93, verse 1 and 2, it says, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The Lord reigns over our past. He reigns over our present. And he reigns over our future. He reigns over our past, our present, and our future. We'll jump back to, to Marcos for a moment. That sense of this mighty God. Here's something that I find so reassuring and so comforting is the fact that just like I knew that I could say, hey, go get Marcos, and that Marcos was going to immediately jump and say, what does Pastor Ryan need? Because he he's my buddy, right? He was, he was ready to do whatever he had to do to protect me or to care for me, and he's like, my, my youth pastor weighs like 128 pounds. I need to go protect him, right? I knew that I could speak his name, I just say, go get Marcos, and he was going to come, and he was going to stand there, and he was going to be my defender. He was going to be my protector. He was going to be my champion in that moment. He was my mighty man, and isn't it so good to know that whatever you're facing, whatever you go up against, whatever you're walking through, you speak the name of Jesus, and you have a champion. You have a defender. You have a mighty man. You have God Almighty. You have the mighty God at your side defending you, walking before you, fighting your battles, 
fighting your battles before you. As he goes forward and you follow him behind, he is making a way. He is preparing the way and leading through. He is fighting the battles before you get there. We don't even realize what he is doing on our behalf. But we serve a mighty God. No matter what the future holds, no matter what the past has been, and no matter where you're at in this moment right now, you just simply call on the name of Jesus. Just call on the name of Jesus. I'll invite the worship team to join me. I, I can tell you this right now over and over, and I said this. I, I don't know your story. I don't know every detail. And there's some things that you will probably never share with me, and that's fine. That's fine. I know this, though. there's a God who loves you and he deeply cares for you and he's seen it all. He's aware of the ups and the downs. He's aware of the good and the bad. He's aware of of the, the situations we've gotten ourselves into. He's aware of the situations we've been put in because of other people. He sees it all. He knows it all. He's been with you in the good. He's been with you in the bad. He's never left you. He's never forsaked you. He's never walked away from you. He's always remained mighty and he's always remained there. I love, uh, I love what John says. He says, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. This is where it, this is where it gets real. In this world, you will have trouble. Don't you just love that? It's so he said, I've told you things that so you'll have peace. And then he follows it up with, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. And you go, great. He said, oh, but don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, he says, take heart. I love that. I lo- take heart. Oh, be encouraged. Find peace in this statement. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. You're gonna face trouble. That's the nature of the world. That's the nature of a broken, fallen world, a world that has been thrust into sin, right? It is the nature of the world we live in. There will be trouble. We don't live in this perfect utopia in the Garden of Eden any longer. Sin entered the world, and then everything started to fall apart after that. It didn't get better. It just only continues to get worse. He says, don't worry about that. Take heart. I have overcome the world. I've overcome every situation. I've overcome every struggle. I have overcome anything you may face. I've overcome temptation. I've overcome sin. I've overcome death. I've overcome it all. Anything this world can throw at you, I have already overcome. Take heart. We serve a mighty God. Take heart. We serve a mighty God. Just call on the name of Jesus. Just call on the name of Jesus. And he's ready to come. He's ready to be your six foot seven, 315 pound Marcos fighting your battles. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at infogracehill.cc. At